Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Music City 911. Want to welcome any new listeners we have, as it looks like we've had a few over the past couple of weeks. I appreciate y'all for joining us, and I hope that y'all enjoy the show. Before I get into the episode, I'd like to thank those who've joined Patreon, as well as those who've reached out to offer help with the show this past week. I really appreciate it, as well as all the kind words y'all are sending my way. For those of you that don't know, you can go over to patreon.com slash musiccity911. All the new episodes ad-free for just $3 a month. If you're listening to this episode on your way to visit relatives for Thanksgiving, sitting waiting in an airport, or in traffic driving somewhere, check out the links in the episode notes to get access to the Facebook discussion group where me and a lot of the other listeners discuss the calls we play and other crime-related items. Also, the main Facebook page for updates and the other social media like TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And now, on with the show. Walked to my apartment. My fiance is on the floor with blood everywhere. What is the address? Forty-six zero one Flat Rock Road. Please come help 40 now. Oh one Flat, Flat Rock Road. Is this a house or apartment? Oh no! Oh no! It's an apartment. What apartment number? Please hurry! Please. She bleeding from. See, I don't know. I can't tell. She's. No. So you have to calm yourself down in order to get you some help. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She, I don't know, I, I'm looking at her right now. She, I don't, I can't see anything. She doesn't, there's nothing broken. She's bleeding. Ellie! You don't know where she's bleeding from, can't Ellie, see blood's coming from? It's, I think her head. I think she hit her head, I think. I think but it's, up, it's everywhere. Okay, so it's everywhere. She might have fallen. Do you know yeah. what happened? She, she, she may have slipped his blood on the on the table. Her, her face is a little purple. Okay, hold on for rescue for her. Stay on the phone. Philadelphia Fire Department 842, what's the address? No, the... Uh, 4601 Flat Rock Road, please hurry. 4601 Flat Rock? Yes. What's wrong? My, my, I just, my, I went downstairs to go work out, I came back up, the door was latched. My fiance's inside, so she wasn't answering, so... After about a half hour, I decided to break it down. I see her now, just on the floor, with blood. She's not, she's not responding. Okay, is she breathing? She, I, look at her chest. I need you to calm down, and I need you to look at her chest. It's really. I don't think she. I really listen, don't think she listen, is. Listen to me. Someone's on the way. Look at her chest. Is she flat on her back? <laughs> she's on her back. So okay, I look her. at her chest and tell me if it's going up and down, up and down. I don't see her moving. Okay. Do you know how to do CPR? I don't. Okay, I can tell you what to do, okay, until they get there. I want you to keep her phone. Oh, her God. Phone. Hello? Yeah, hi, okay. Are you willing to do CPR with me over the phone until they get I there? I, I have to, right? Okay, so get her flat on her back, bare her chest, okay? You want to rip her shirt off. Oh, 
straight into this now one call there's a lot to go over in this call and a lot going on in it the caller on it starts out by saying i went downstairs to get a workout i came back up the door was latched my fiance is inside and she wasn't answering so after about a half an hour i decided to break it down and i see her now just on the floor with blood she's not responding At this point, the police dispatcher put the caller in contact with their EMS dispatch, which in this city and a lot of others around the country, they just call them rescue. Rescue gets on the phone and once they determine that the patient is unresponsive and not breathing, they decide to try to give CPR. As the caller stated, she had blood everywhere and at this point, he doesn't know where it's all come from. The dispatcher gives the standard instruction to get the patient turned over and flat on her back. This is very standard practice in CPR. You want the patient on a flat and hard surface so that when you do chest compressions, the chest is actually able to compress and then come all the way back up with each pump. The caller turns her over and finds that she has a knife sticking out of her chest. He got very excited and immediately says, oh my God, she stabbed herself. Remember that phrase. It's very important 
and we're going to circle back around to that here in just a few. On the 911 end of things, the dispatcher, if she has a knife sticking out of her chest still, she's not breathing, and he did make an indication that it was sticking out of her heart, that's a good indication that they should, she's probably beyond any help. Actress Katherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to BadlandsRanch.com MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BadlandsRanch.com MC901 today. Chest compressions at this point are out of the question. You can attempt to do mouth-to-mouth. It's kind of hard to determine if that's going to be effective or not. In this case, she didn't make it. victim in this her name is ellen greenberg this happened all the way back in 2011 her death was ultimately ruled a suicide stating that she stabbed herself if that was the headline in a news story not many people would actually read the full story they just see it and keep scrolling through their feed or maybe flip the page of the newspaper they saw it in but this wasn't simply the case And still, even today, 10 years later, there's controversy surrounding it. Ellen Greenberg was just 27 years old when she died on January 26 of 2011. She was a school teacher, lived in the northwest neighborhood of Philadelphia. Her fiancé, the caller in this 911 call, his name is Samuel Goldberg, lived with her in the apartment. Ellen had come home early from school because they were actually expecting some blizzard-like conditions. Samuel states that he went to what I'm guessing is a small gym in another part of the apartment building, then came back just a little while later and found that the door was latched shut. He stated that he called out for her and waited nearly 30 minutes before breaking the latch on the door. There's a few things that are suspicious about this, and you'll likely think a little bit more into this after I give some details about her actual death. As I said before, authorities, both the medical examiner and detectives, ended up ruling this a suicide. If it was a simple knife to the heart and that was it, 
I might be inclined to believe the same thing too. While certainly not the norm in women's suicides, it is still very possible that a woman can just decide to stab herself. But the fact that she was stabbed 20 times, that gives me pause in thinking it was a suicide. The fact that she wasn't stabbed 20 times in just the chest, but stabbed a total of 20 times in the chest, abdomen, as well as 10 of those times that she was stabbed, they were in the back side of her head and her neck. Now, I'll say that it is entirely possible that this happened, but that's just it. It would be a, in my opinion, a very, very slight possibility. Most people don't stab themselves 20 times, and if they are, they don't try to stab themselves in the back of the head and neck. Like I said, it's entirely possible that it's happened, but it's just not very likely at all. I don't see that as happening at all. There are a few things on this 911 call that I find a little bit suspicious. I'm not necessarily saying that this is the way it happened. I'm not sure. But generally, in investigations like this, they look at whoever's closest to the victim, and in this case, it would be the fiancé. I'm not necessarily accusing him, but there are some definite red flags on the 911 call that kind of popped out in my mind, especially after hearing all the other details. To get back around to what he said, I went downstairs to go work out. I came back up. The door was latched. My fiance is inside, and she wasn't answering. So after about a half an hour, I decided to break it down, and I see her now just on the floor with blood, and she's not responding. The time frame that he gave on this is the biggest thing that kind of jumps out to me. If I'm in the same apartment building, I go downstairs, work out, come back upstairs, and the door is latched, and I can't get back in. That means that whoever is inside was the one that latched it. You call out to your fiance several times and she doesn't answer. Maybe for a few minutes. I would wait for it. Maybe. A door latch is not that expensive to replace. And depending on what kind of latch it is, they're pretty easy to get around. But for the life of me, I can't imagine getting home even if I just went downstairs like he did and standing outside waiting a half hour before I actually busted back in. It would be another thing if he didn't have the power to actually break back in, but he did. He said himself that he broke back in and that's the only forced entry that would be visible when police get there. The other thing in the call that jumped out at me, and this may be the even bigger clue in this, I'm not sure again, it just seemed like it stuck out to me the first time I listened to it. Oh my God, she stabbed herself. That's what he said. Unless she had given some sort of other indication that she was suicidal or something along that lines, I don't know that I would immediately say she stabbed herself. If everything was good in the relationship, which I don't know if it was in this case or not, I wouldn't have necessarily jumped right to 
she stabbed herself. I find somebody laying in their floor, regardless of my relationship to them, and they've been stabbed in the chest. My mind does not automatically go to suicide. Now, he did say directly after that that she may have fallen on the knife. And again, that is entirely possible. But like I said, with everything else, it doesn't seem very likely. Police on this, they started leaning towards the possibility of suicide when they found out that the house was not broken into, there were no defensive wounds, and also a lack of anybody else's DNA there inside the apartment. This was arrived at kind of in conjunction with the medical examiner. They initially said that it was a homicide, then revised the statement to go back to a suicide. There were some back and forth, but ultimately they decided it was going to be a suicide. And that was the end of the case. For years, that's all it was. My own theory is that the fiancé in this, it's possible that he could have done this. They did find some bruising on various parts of Ellen's body and a couple blows to the back of her head that could have easily knocked her out and that would have made it to where there was no defensive wounds. As to there being no forced entry other than the latch, as I said, depending on what kind of latch it was, could have easily been pulled at from the inside to make it look like that. The no extra DNA, as in from someone else that was left there at the crime scene. Again, if it was done by the fiancé, there would likely be no extra DNA there. And like I said, these are just complete and total theories. Shots in the dark. No clue if that's the case or not. But the police, they seem to believe that he had nothing to do with it. The family of Ellen, they've not been able to rest. In an interview, they literally said they hadn't been able to sleep in over nine years. They have been fighting trying to reopen this case to try to get it to be classified back as a homicide and not a suicide. They are slowly winning their battle in it. Ellen's parents have decided to sue the medical examiner's office, and they have been granted, at least to this point, a non-jury trial. They're trying to get the cause of death changed to undecided or a homicide. That way they can get the case opened back up. There have been other issues revolving around this case, both back then around when it was being investigated, as well as recently. According to the parents, the fiancé, Samuel, his uncle came and removed a laptop that belonged to Ellen from the apartment. The attorney general in this said he would do a forensic analysis of the laptop, but nothing was ever sent about it, and they're not even really sure if an analysis even happened at all. A statement from the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office, they said this, Ellen's death is nothing short of a tragedy, and our hearts go out to the family and her friends. Her death is unimaginable and admittedly hard to accept, but all the evidence thoroughly reviewed by our office and the findings of the medical examiner show this was a suicide. Allegations of new evidence have been unfounded. 
while it is heartbreaking to everyone that our investigation didn't find the resolution her family wanted in this bizarre and perplexing case, there is nothing more for our office to do until and if legitimate new evidence is brought forward. At this time, no such information has been shared with their office, notwithstanding our request for interested parties to provide any relevant information. Now, as y'all know, this show doesn't do a extremely deep dive into a case. That's not what I do. We go over the 911 call, talk a little bit about the case, and don't deep dive into it too much anyway. But truth be told, without without deep, deep knowledge of this, it's hard to accept that this was a suicide. And because it did seem so weird that it was ruled a suicide, out of my own curiosity, I did dig a little deeper than what I normally do. I wanted to find out how in the world both police and the medical examiner could have figured this to be a suicide. And everywhere I look, I find out more and more info about this case, the less and less it looks like it's still that it was a suicide. The door situation with the yes and no forced entry, I found that they had a bar type latch. Those are easy to latch from the outside. As in whatever was done inside could have been done and then the latch could have been set from the outside pretty easily and then kick the door in or force it open however they need to. They also had a balcony but they were on the sixth floor so the height would have made it near impossible to enter the apartment that way and also there was evidence of snow being on the balcony that was undisturbed. So no one came through the balcony from the outside still points to a through-the-front-door type entry. Also, the fiancé later stated that it may have been close to an hour trying to get in the apartment and that the security guard for the apartment assisted in getting in the door and both of them found Ellen dead. The problem with that is the security guard said he never left his post. That day... Ellen seemed to be in a good, normal mood with her colleagues and was texting with some of her friends and even had a good conversation with her mother. Earlier, she had sent out save-the-date cards for the upcoming wedding. The point in all this, it looks as if there was no evidence that Ellen was wanting to kill herself. There were some searches well earlier in a laptop that did have something to the effect of quick suicide and painless suicides, but neither of these would lead someone to try to stab themselves 20 times in various areas. Stabbing yourself is neither quick or painless. There's just too much to this case, and I think it'll still be an open, ongoing thing likely for years to come. I'd love to see some definitive disposition to this case one way or another, but I, and I'm sure Ellen's family, they want it to be well more clear than what it is right now. If you want to follow along with this case and see other theories or discussion about it, jump onto a Facebook group and follow the group. It's called Justice for Ellen. 
You can find it at facebook.com slash justice for Ellen 2019. There are also dozens, if not hundreds of articles on this, as well as other podcasts and videos. And truth be told, I'd love for some of you internet detectives, sleuths, to actually look into this a little bit further and see if you can find stuff that I didn't find. On our own discussion group over at Facebook, I want to have a chat about this because I want to hear everybody else's opinions about it and see what y'all think. I know I'll be thinking about this for a while. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, be sure to share the show with friends and family over this Thanksgiving break most of us are going to have. I say most of us because us first responders, myself included, a lot of us are going to be working on the holidays. A lot of us don't get regular holidays off, even those of us that have been there forever and a day. We've been doing the same ground for years and years, and holidays are not always a given. So do keep your first responders in your thoughts. But that'll about do it for this episode of Music City 901. I'm Brandon. I hope you all have a good one, and be safe out there in your travels.